And one of those we want to look at this morning is our choice to trust God, especially when life circumstances might be extremely challenging and trying upon our lives. It's a choice to trust God. Psalm 27, allow me to read that and you can follow along with me. Psalm 27, we begin at verse 1 and we'll work our way down through this and I trust we might be able to identify some key principles and truths that become relevant to our lives in the journey of our faith. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Verse 7, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And take heart and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that in the journey of life, there is many factors that seem to contribute to the confusion of our hearts at times. And yet there's other times that it becomes so evident and so rewarding to fix our gaze upon you. We pray, O God, that you'll continue to give us the kind of courage and strength we need to journey on as we trust, most importantly, Lord, may we realize that how we respond to you in faith and confidence today has a lot to do with where we will be tomorrow. We pray, God, that we might learn how t- our lives grow and are shaped and transformed by our confidence and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Without any question, we all have found that there are great benefits Uh, to each and every one of us as we not only trust in God, but to mature in that relationship of trust. Yet this morning as we consider this particular psalm, uh, simply the mention of trust inevitably is going to cause some thoughts to begin to work in our minds and hearts. To some of us, this might seem to be very comforting or appropriate to a situation or circumstance in your life. 
to others, it might challenge you and stretch you a little bit because you're not quite sure about this concept of giving this complete trust to God. Each one of us has stories to tell behind our reactions, behind the feelings that begin to brew up, and behind the thoughts of what trust truly means or how that might benefit us. We all have been influenced by one type of another, by the experiences that we have gone through. And even the journey of our faith has uh, been impacted by those not only experiences, by the views or the perceptions that have developed out of some of those situations. Our families, our friends, the people that we hang with, those things are people that influence or rub up against us. They've contributed some way in reinterpreting where our kind of trust will be built upon. Often are the hardships, the disappointments, the setbacks in life, they also will leave their scars upon our heart in one form or another. Simply the mention of trusting the Lord. To some, we smile. To others, maybe it causes us to struggle once again. While among us, a a few of us uh, may end up with even more questions when we think about that concept of trust, it sometimes is difficult to simply have what we once held dearly was a childlike faith that simply trusts because God's name is mentioned. I'd like to begin this morning by encouraging and, uh, us to choose again to consider about trusting in God, especially if you're here today or this particular time period of your life you're going through some challenging experiences that are really trust or challenging uh, your ability to trust in God. We have choices. We have decisions we make all the time. And many of those are greatly uh, uh, explainable as to how much we already uh, trust God. Uh, as we begin uh, considering this particular study of our trust in the Lord... I believe one of the things that's important for us to humbly consider before we start looking at some of the details of of the challenges of trust and the benefits that maybe God may present to us is I believe it's important that we at some point become extremely honest in where our heart really is in the fact of whether or not we trust God and uh, trust ourselves in our relationship uh, with him. It's difficult to grow in trust. It's difficult to maintain a healthy trust if deep inside there's some issues or challenges or past experiences that are hindering that growing process of trust in the Lord. It's almost impossible to grow our faith in God and continue to have a healthy faith when our roots are deeply attached to some past painful memories that we have never dealt with, never processed, never resolved, in a, in particularly when it comes to our relationship with God. Some of the very uh, common type of examples or illustrations that we might use in Scripture, I trust, might begin to cause us to at least ponder for a moment these things that might have affected our ability to trust God. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. Many times we might have 
kind of a carefree approach to God and that sort of just says, well, of course I trust God. I, I do that uh, every day as I journey through life. But there's something about a kind of trust that uh, uh, it, it reveals itself through circumstances. And what circumstances you and I go through are going to begin to highlight our trust factor. Sometimes we think that we are rather trusting and we have confidence in God. And then a situation arises and we realize, well, maybe we don't have so much trust in God after all. And it's not to say that there is anything necessarily wrong with reacting to circumstances. Because we will in, uh, almost instantaneously react in some way to the surprises of life. But that trust factor is what seems to bring stability back to our life after the immediate uh, awareness of a problem surfaces. John chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. We find that here is a familiar context in which many of us are well aware that Jesus had some very close friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And on one occasion, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. And for reasons that are not really explained to us, Jesus chooses to take his time to get there. Notice it says in verse 20 and 21 of John chapter 11. Lord, Martha said, or I'm sorry, in verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. One thing that trust is going to be hindered or enhanced in some way is how you and I deal with the times in which God is a little late in dealing with the circumstances of our life. There's times when Jesus, for whatever reason, chooses to delay his involvement in our affairs of life. It is true that if Jesus was there, there's a good chance that Martha was right. Lazarus would not be dead. But as you and I uh, develop a relationship with Christ and we keep uh, intentionally living in a way that that's a choice to trust him, we must work through the times that we know Jesus could have fixed it. He could have stopped it. He could have changed it. He could have moved all the details and circumstances and around that if he was there, if he was on the scene, if he was involved in our life, it wouldn't have turned out this way. When you and I consider trusting God, we need to recognize that sometimes we may have that thought process embedded in our mind and it's worked its way down to our heart that we have a sore spot, a wound in life, because Jesus uh, did not stop, did not hinder, did not change the course of events. We know he has the capacity to change, but for whatever reason, we have confusion over expectations. We have confusion over the ideas of what we believe he could have done or should have done, but he may not have followed through. Turn with me to the uh, Gospel of Luke, because again, we want to look at uh, just a, a few of these common type of things that are going to affect our ability to trust in the Lord. Our ability to rely upon Him through the challenges, the circumstances of life. We need to understand that there are common types of situations that bring about a common type of thought process. Each and every one of these must be committed to God for our trust to move on. Each of these must be worked through in a way that we can allow ourselves to be confident in God 
even though we may go through these circumstances. In Luke chapter 22, in verses 31 and 32. The apostle speaks to Peter, who is addressed in this particular context as the name Simon. Simon, Simon, verse 31, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Some translations use the phrase, he's demanded to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, but when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I don't know about you, but this one really does not settle well with my thought process and myself in the ministry. But I must learn to trust God. There are times that for whatever reason, God allows Satan to do what Satan does best. And that's to work in our lives. And that's to get into our lives. And his attempt is to destroy us. But Jesus seems to utilize this to strengthen us. But we're not always told the details of why things are happening and what's going on. But it's important to know that sometimes you and I may have a trust issue with God because we're having a difficulty with the way God sometimes operates, especially when it comes to temptation. You would think that when you read the story of Peter's temptation, if you're really uh, feeling somewhat confident this week, you will be able to explain why Peter fails. But if your week has been bad and your temptation level has been a little overwhelming and you realize Satan took you down for the count, you're going to be able to understand how easy it is for Peter to get into a lot of trouble. What's important to realize is as we develop a trust in God, as we continue to grow in our relationship with him, we need to realize that sometimes we have to work through the fact that Satan seems to have an upper hand. And we must learn to grow through those experiences, to become stronger, to be more humbled in our relationship with God, and particularly to know that Christ will strengthen us. He will pick us up again, and we trust that we have not become worse through the experience, but we have become stronger. So you see, as we trust God, we might have somewhat of a concept that we already trust God and we don't struggle with trust and those issues don't really pertain to our lives. Well, to trust God is a little bit more deeper than simply assuming that God somehow magically makes everything turn out. We're praying that we might continue to have a strong, a vibrant, a deep commitment and relationship with God that is willing to be honest that I struggle in some areas of my life through certain experiences, but I must work through them. I must choose to trust God in spite of the outcome of some circumstances. How about Genesis chapter 4? Genesis chapter 4. A third very common one. And, and again, we, I mentioned the concept of common. I, I realize that it might seem strange for some of us to identify with some of these situations. And then on the other hand, we might find ourselves saying yes and amen to every single one of these because we know what it's like to go through experiences in life and they don't always work themselves out so pretty and so sweet. But these are typically common among many people as we journey on in a relationship that once 
to be real, it wants to be genuine, it wants to be effective, it wants to minister out of hearts. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he was not, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, most people don't like to admit that they've ever been angry at God. But I simply want us to humbly consider that as you journey on through life, there's going to be experiences that don't quite fit the nice equations that maybe we have allowed ourselves to live by and to shape our lives upon. There are many promises that seemingly uh, end up getting contradicted. There's many circumstances in life don't seem to work themselves out so well. Believe me, I know what it's like to rejoice and dance before the Lord when you're living on the mountaintop. And I know what it's like to cry and to bleed when it looks like you've just fallen off the mountain. The important thing is, in order to develop and grow in trust, we must understand one thing. I must admit, if I've got issues in life that seemingly have allowed me to be angry at God, whether it's for a season or it continues to go on, the way we learn to trust is we must admit, Lord, this situation, this circumstances has really hurt and it's difficult to go through this one. It's hard to look beyond that. In order to, for trust to be regained, I must be honest about my trust for today and in the past. There are times and seasons in life that will stretch us and they will bounce us around in ways that these kind of issues come up and they certainly will very well work against our ability to trust God. One more that obviously can be a, a very difficult hurdle to get over in our trust before the Lord is alluded to in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we want to look at verses 9 through 11. Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 through 11. This is referring to Joseph. Now, he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down, come and, and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I think some of the struggles that you and I might face is when someone else is receiving the dreams or the blessings or the favor of God, and maybe like the other brothers, we got a problem. 
Jealousy will creep in at every angle and every chance it can. The important thing is that sometimes we struggle with what God's doing right here in our life when we see him working so wonderfully in the lives of others to the left and to the right and all around us. We need to recognize if we're going to grow in those areas of trust, we must be honest with the areas that we're having a tough time. And my encouragement to every one of us that is struggling, that is that message of hope that God has offered to us, that he has given us that opportunity to grow and develop that trust. But it begins when we admit there's a few areas are not so sweet. Mark chapter 9. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. This is an account that I uh, have thought, as I I think in terms of of, uh, a thought process pertaining to our trust. Because trust is hard to measure. It's hard to evaluate as to whether or not we really have this great trust or we don't have this great trust. What's important to realize is when we look at a story or a, a, an, an encounter of Jesus with another man, it gives great hope to realize I don't necessarily need to feel I've got great trust or no trust. But this man says, I believe, yet help me in my unbelief. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 21 through 24. Mark chapter 9, starting with 21, we'll read down through 24. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It often has thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I say that to introduce, in essence, this uh, uh, choice that you and I can make to put trust in God, is to acknowledge as much as we believe, there's room for more. As much as we trust, there's a, a promise that ought to whet our appetite to trust God more. Regardless of where we're at in the journey, there is always room for growth, there's always room for that opportunity to mature in our trust and confidence in God. What's so important is to acknowledge that certain situations in life will do a number on the best of us. There's certain experiences in life that will take us through a journey that will cause us to be jolted, and we must choose once again. I choose to trust God. I choose to to put my faith in him. Turn with me now back to uh, Psalm 27 as we think about trust and some of the things that can contribute to enhance that ability to trust. And I, 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 um, I, I come with an anticipation that our circumstances, even today, what we've, we have been through and what we're going through, that we might be able to have greater assurance of a way in which that trust can develop so that we might not only be faithful to God, but we might find ourselves receiving a fresh supply of the confidence or the assurance that we can gain through our relationship with Him. Psalm 27, allow me to read verses 1 through 3 once again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Verse 3, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. You'll notice as David communicates this that he seems to have a, a great boldness, a confidence in the fact that I can truly trust God. Now, David seemed to certainly demonstrate a, a, an enormous ability to trust God through many of the circumstances he faced in life. And one thing that seems to be pointed out in that is his confidence is not in himself. His confidence is in God. Probably one of the most difficult hurdles that you and I will face is to be able to keep our eyes upon the confidence source. Because you and I, when we simply try to see within ourselves our need or our benefit of trusting God, and we focus on what we could do or what we should do, we're going to find ourselves seemingly falling short of that particular situation. Depending on what we're going through, depending on the details of those circumstances, you and I are well aware that some crisis situations... There's no way you can pull yourself together and tell yourself to get a grip, I am going to trust God. But rather, our confidence is in what God can do. And to keep our focus upon God and to keep our focus on what He is able to do is a big difference than you and I simply telling ourselves, you keep a smile on your face even though the world is causing you to cry right now. It's a kind of reality that our focus is upon God. Now, I don't know about you, but in the journey of life and the surprises of life and the circumstances that get tough in life, I find that one key way I can continue to do that is to keep looking at the promises and the possibilities of God within the Scriptures is to learn to continually keep my focus on God's ability and God's promises to continually to be that strength. And so you'll see in Psalm 27 that David, his focus is on the identifying qualities that he has discovered in God, and that is all through the scriptures about God, that he's my light, my salvation, he is my stronghold. Uh, and as we look at these, we need to try to imagine, in some sense, that God indeed is going to be faithful to his own identity, that God will always be faithful to his cause, that he will be consistent to these things in our life. It may be challenging to keep our eyes upon God for who he is when the storms come our way. When the challenges of life come into our path, it can be extremely devastating, especially if our expectation is trust always gets a big prize. It's that season of waiting that can be extremely detrimental to our trust in God if we assume or just tell ourselves that it has to work out this way. You and I, as we journey on, it won't take long to discover that sometimes we can get ideas or assumptions that Jesus, if he were here, it wouldn't have happened this way. 
And you and I, we are affected by that trust because our disappointments begin to really do great damage in our lives. Our focus as we develop trust is to really get to know God, what He's really like, and learn as much as we possibly can from the breadth of scriptures, the details of how God acts and interacts within people. Whether or not he always gives people what they want, or whether or not he works in ways that shape people's lives, you and I need to get to know God. Because when we assume we know God, and God does not manifest himself in a given or fixed way, then we realize we know very little about God. So we commit ourselves to being... um, students of the truth about God, and we keep growing to know Him and to really understand Him so that we can develop a confidence in the person of God, not so much the details of life. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9, because I believe this scripture is uh, very uh, uh, much in in line with uh, some of the thoughts that we're talking about this morning. In Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 9 Verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. What in essence seemingly says is trust in God is okay when you're wise, when you're strong, and when the money's coming in. It's one thing to develop a kind of trust. We might believe we're trusting God, but we're really relying on the circumstances that have gone well for us. It's great when you're able to think your way through your problems and come up with healthy solutions. It's great when you're able to take care of those problems yourself. You have the strength to take care of this need or that particular need, or you have the resources to simply pay for when it's broke, you go out and get a new one. It's entirely different when we're well aware. There'll be a time when our smarts are not so smart. There'll be a time when our strength begins to fade. There'll be a time when the resources simply are not there. Trust becomes an entirely different factor when you and I can't not only boast in it, there's nothing you can do about it. The important thing is found in verse 24. That is, but let him who boasts boast about this that he understands and he knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. The challenge to trust, the choice, is to keep searching God to get to know him. A passionate pursuit to recognize his true identity. Not what we think because of the way things evolved in our situations, but who he truly is. And the more that we're able to keep bringing ourselves back into agreement with the reality of God's true identity, the more that there will be a stabilizing factor in life, we can put our confidence in him. Trust has a lot more to do with relationship than it does that you and I respond in a certain given way. It's a relationship of trust. I know I can trust God. I may have gone through seasons where I have been flavored by the common types of challenges we face, whether I thought God should have done it differently, 
or whether or not it happened this way or worked out that way. There's all kinds of things that play into this factor of trust. But to build and develop a foundation of trust, we must pursue God to truly get to know him. And he has revealed himself in his word. And as we uh, begin to develop a faith based upon the solid foundation of truths, God will, in fact, see us through. A second thing that uh, uh, might seemingly be close to that is, is, is back in Psalm 27. Let's turn there once again and look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Can we choose to trust God and learn how to trust Him? Can we choose to pursue a, a solid biblical foundation that teaches the ways of God and the practices of God so that the expectations of life do not uh, shatter our lives when they seemingly take us on a different course. The more well-versed we are in the ways of God and the methods of God, the easier it is to bounce off the surprises of life. Once again, when we're young and full of ourselves, God's really good. Trust is an easy thing. But then when life begins to take its, its course and the, the challenges and trials and hardships and the maturing uh, uh, demands that God puts upon us as we get a little older, then the simple formulas begin to get tested and sifted. And we must learn to trust God all over again in a new fashion and form. Psalm 27, verses 4 through 6. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. And then we'll jump ahead with the next couple of verses. The second thing that's extremely crucial in the development of trust is not only allowing the, the Bible to be a true foundation, a, a, a kind of a foundation in which we really learn what God is like and the ways of God so that we might be able to uh, respond with a healthy approach to life and, and let that trust be once again re-strengthened uh, over again. The second thing we're looking at here is that aspect of worship. We all know what it's like to worship God with joy in our hearts when life is joyful. And we also, I trust, have learned how to worship God when it hurts. And this is what David is communicating. He has great confidence in God. But he's also mentioning, as in particularly in verse 5, in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. In verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. He's acknowledging very quickly that the enemy is there and his world is filled with all kinds of trials and pressures and challenges. And yet he chooses, in spite of what's going around, to put, take himself and put himself in the temple to worship God regardless of what's happening around him. It is strange to think that worship is the answer when a need is here, a need is there, a problem is here, a problem is there. It's extremely difficult for some of us to understand the beauty of a worship experience when your world is coming crashing down. There have been little situations I've experienced in life, and I found it so true to be meaningful and enriching 
to worship God and allow the truth about His splendor and His majesty and His greatness to be the focus of my life. And I know many of you as well have gone through those seasons when the answer doesn't seem to be worship. The answer is fix it. The answer is to do something about your circumstances or your problems. And yet here in the psalmist, he's teaching us one key way of learning how to trust is letting God take care of what only God can do. Now, depending on the size of your problem, I realize the bigger it is, the easier it is to throw your hands up. It's the little problems of life, the little challenges of life that become the most testing experiences on how to trust God because the little ones, you and I, can try to fix. We can try to control the situation. We can try to work out the details. We can come up with great suggestions. We can even tell God and give him lots of advice. But when the crises of life, the larger problems, that trust seemingly is in essence more difficult when we feel we can do something about it. The point we need to recognize is David shows us by example in numerous other scriptures that in the midst of the crumbling of life and the challenges of life, that he lets God be the center of his focus and he exercises, he develops his trust in the midst of uh, this worship experience. Um, this faithful commitment to worship is in all seasons. It says in verse uh, 4, once again, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. As I mentioned before, we know that there are seasons in which worship is going to, to uh, seemingly feel different or, or express itself differently. Every one of us has been through, uh, wherever we've been through all week long, some of us are on the top of the world, some of us are at the bottom of our circumstances, and yet we all come together in this setting that we would, we would call worship. We come together to give praise to God. And so there's always a mixture, but every one of us is going through these seasons at various times in life. And so worship often needs to be challenged or stretched in, in those areas of giving of thanks. Sometimes we come and we are, are not really feeling so thankful with our situations. Other times it's simply a choice. I choose to worship God. I choose to give Him thanks. Regardless of what's happening in my life, I'm going to give praise to God. I'm going to thank Him. And we can look up numerous scriptures that allude to this. Other times we come when we have uh, some needs that are real. And we worship God in a sense that we have an expectation of, of choosing to please Him and put our faith and trust in Him, knowing that He will reward our faithfulness. And so we come to God not only in a giving of thanks in one hand, other times we come with pouring out our heart, particularly for this need. We bring it as a gift of offering or a sacrifice to God. This is my need. A third one we uh, tend to uh, express in worship quite often is the times when that genuine pain has brought us down to our knees, where our tears become our offering. There's times in life that we once again discover the beauty of trust because we have literally poured out our heart, our brokenness to God. 
We poured out our tears to God, and He indeed has heard our cry. In chapter 27 of Psalm, verse 4, want to see once again and emphasize that the one thing uh, David asks of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The one thing about worship is it may appear that worship is me choosing to come into God's presence. What he's ultimately saying is it's God's choice to dwell in our presence. And he humbly approaches worship as if God does not have to do what he's supposed to do. But knowing that as we come in faith with a broken and contrite heart, he in no way will despise us. The important thing about trust is if we're struggling with it, to confess it. The second thing is if we're not growing, we need to commit ourselves to keep on growing, to choose to trust God regardless of what is happening, to choose to trust God regardless of whether we feel it's been an easy journey or a difficult journey. It's a commitment to trust and to let God reestablish that relationship and experience with, him how, with himself. Let's look at uh, Psalm 34 in verses 18 through 22. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. The important thing is to come once again, to come with a sense of vulnerability and genuineness to trust God is that favor is already promised to be upon our lives. Trust. It may come and go. It may seem to be strong one time and and, uh, really tested at other times. It might be difficult for us to keep on allowing our minds and hearts to be uh, gazed upon God in the midst of this. The important thing is there's numerous promises and blessings as we keep on trusting God, especially when it gets difficult, especially when we go through those seasons where it is tested. Look back at Psalm 27 now, and we'll touch upon verse 11. Psalm 27 and verse 11. One of the more challenging things about trust is is to uh, be in a relationship where we're not simply just getting through it. Um, We all know what it's like to, to go through a difficult experience. And if you just hang in there long enough, Sometimes those experiences will run their course rather quickly. Other times they seem to be of an extended length of time. But sooner or later, most of the struggles that you and I face, time will manage to get you through it. But that's not what the psalmist teaches. In verse 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. 
It's hard to learn when the circumstances are not right. It's hard to learn what God is truly saying to us when things are not moving as predicted or anticipated. It's hard to learn, and yet the choice to trust God is once again an invitation for God to be that teacher, to be the one who shows us and instructs us about life. There's so many things that we know we can learn from looking into the scriptures and being involved in others that are going through life, experiencing the joy of the Lord, and we keep growing in that area, but it's a whole new kind of lesson to learn in the midst of hardships and challenges and suffering. And this is what the psalmist is saying, is that we ought to learn to grow in those seasons when it is challenging. Because God sometimes can teach us things or only teach us certain things when the uh, life is uh, much more challenging. And so we keep growing in that area. Ultimately, we get down to the last verse in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I was... uh, watching some kids show I don't even remember what it was but uh, Arabella was over at our house and she's watching some thing on TV and and anyway there was a little bit on there where I don't know whether it was Daniel the tiger you know anybody like Daniel the tiger okay he's always has life lessons and I guess this lesson was on on waiting so you know mom's going to the doctor's office and the little girl uh, is having a hard time sitting there waiting because you know the little girl's not the one going to see the doctor. Mom is, but because she's the daughter, she has to go with her. And so it's a lesson on trying to teach how you sit there quietly and wait, and the kids wiggling all over the place and everything else. And um, I, I think that's probably an area that becomes uh, difficult for me is the, the concept of waiting when I don't necessarily know what God is doing. I don't know necessarily know what God is saying. I don't know what God is up to. I don't know what He wants to teach me. But this idea of just waiting on God seems to be almost useless. And yet the scriptures conclude the real punchline to this whole psalm is to wait. It's a choice. Shall I trust God when the pieces don't fit? Shall I trust God when things don't align? Shall I trust? Shall I trust? It's a choice. You and I can make choices or will make choices inevitably every single day. Many, many, many choices. This one matters. To choose to trust God and to wait upon Him is a decision that will predetermine where you and I are tomorrow and the next day and the days ahead. The important thing is God is faithful. He can be trusted. We must learn how to trust Him as to whatever he is doing in life. And we think about the, the multitude of things. I think in the waiting time, the, the, the difficulty is, or, or maybe the focus is, is to learn how to meditate upon what God has done in the past and the things he's taught you in the last lessons of life and to begin to just reflect upon them is in the midst of waiting. That waiting is never simply just passing their time twiddling your thumbs It's a devotion that creates depth. And it's in the waiting where the deeper issues of life really begin to grow. Um, And we simply commit that to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for 
uh, the ways in which you have cultivated maturity in us, that you have allowed us to continue to grow and uh, continue to experience a vibrancy to life. I thank you especially for those among us that have matured in the journey of going through the challenges of life and still have a very strong confidence in you. I thank you the way that you have formed and shaped that in so many of us, and we pray that that will continue to mature itself and develop. Give us the courage to believe in you as a person. Give us the strengths and the assurance that the ways that we can trust you can become of greater and more meaningful force in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you have a great uh, afternoon.